And we are rolling. Hey everyone, I'm Alex. I'm here with my husband Shane. The baby's asleep, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 18. Good work. Thank you, baby. Just to nitpick. Oh, jeez, Louise. I like when you say baby Lou's in bed. Baby Lou's in bed. What did I say? You said the baby's in bed. Mm, well, folks, baby Lou is in bed. But what that do you like better? No, baby Lou is, I like that. Just because I have a fantasy that one day mm-hmm. we do like a live pod and we're selling baby Lou's in bed t-shirts. And I know that's insane. <laughs> I know that will never happen. I like the forethought and I like the high aspirations. A live pod, that could be actually... As a parenting podcast, that can be a great live podcast. Have experts come on, people come on, share stories, like do kind yeah. of like live calls, live interviews. That would be fun. I've done two live pods before. I know, but I always thought, and I love your live pods, but you guys are like a comedy thing, so it works. For us, because I have thought about that, I was like, oh, I don't know. But now, I think that would be, that'd be really awesome. I think we're a bit of a comedy duo. Well... One of us pulls a little more of the weight. No, I think you pull the most of the weight because when someone's very... With comedy? It's not... If you have two people and they're just kind of like annoying people, it's not that entertaining to listen to. But if you have a very sweet person and then you come in with... you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was like messing with your expectations. No, but... Subversion. If there's two people like me, mm-hmm. it's not funny. It's no. just like, oh, I hate those guys. They're so annoying. They're always trying so hard. But with you, it's like you're the sweeter person and kind of setting up. It's kind of like Ron McClain and Don Cherry. It's no good. Am to- I the Ron McClain in this situation? Do you want to be the Don Cherry right <laughs> hell now? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> of course you're the Ron McClain. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think you're quite Don Cherry. I know, but that. if you yeah. have to no, be I somebody, you, I, I would you. be Don. And right now is not the best time to be Don. But uh, should we do a little bit of a movie review? Let's do a movie review. So Shane and I watched A Marriage Story last night, directed by Noel Baumbach. I'm rushing through that first name. Are you confident what it is? Noel. How do you spell it? N-O-E-L? No, it's Noah. Noah. Yeah, Noah Baumbach. I know that. Mm, Seems like you (laughs) didn't know uh, that. No, I did. Uh, Hmm. But I was really confident in what I was saying. But Shane, right off the hop, uh, what are you rating out of 10? It was di- it's hard because I had r- really high expectations. I love Noah Baumbach. I love Squid and the Whale. I love Greenberg. While We're Young is okay. Mistress America I thought was okay. But he's one of those directors I always look forward to seeing. And this one, it's interesting to watch with your partner too because you're always like, am I like the Adam Driver character? Is is Alex like the Scarlett Johansson character? I thought the funny thing you say that is that like, I thought we were slightly versions of those characters. Like, Yeah, and I think that's what that movie's supposed to do. It's like very specific to Noah Baumbach, mm-hmm. who wrote it. But I think it's also universal in that everyone's a little bit of Everybody those can kind people. of draw uh, ways that they relate from those characters, I think. Yeah, and you know, you're kind of dressed like her today. I feel, <laughs> I feel like you were influenced by... I, I feel her. like I, w- I was looking at pictures of myself. I just want to dress cozy for Christmas tree shopping. So you're saying there was no influence from that movie in this no, decision? No, no, I just... I have this shirt and I wanted to be cozy for getting Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, then looking back at the photos today, I was like, holy shit, I look like such a mom. Because it's this and then mm-hmm. it's my hair too. Like I, it's, it's just parted. On the side, it's just, I look like such a mom today. Because Scarlett Johansson has a shorter haircut in that movie, too. She does, yeah. And you adopted to a shorter haircut the second you kind of became a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works. And uh, Adam Driver has dark brown hair, and so do I. <laughs> <laughs> um, both creative types. But yeah, what do you give it out of a 10? 
I give it, it's hard. Sometimes you need time with these things. But just to answer the question, I would give it an eight and a half. And I am an easy critic. But sometimes these things get better with time. And sometimes I I watch it again and I'm like, this actually isn't that good. Mm -hmm. I say seven and a half, which is good for me. I think it's hard for me to give a movie over an eight. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So the movie's about you meet this couple and they're in therapy because they're separated. And they are pondering whether or not to start the divorce process and the whole movie is the divorce process essentially yeah. and how sticky that can get uh do you think that that portrayal is pretty true to life i don't know i've never been through a divorce but just like even the breakup aspect of it like all the emotions they were feeling in the breakup aspect i don't know when i've broken up with people they've been more Scar- scarlet scarjo was pretty nice to she adam was driver so nice I- that was surprising. so I've never really had people be that nice to me before. Yeah. It was interesting because you expect going into the movie that you're going to see a lot more of them being in love or being together or being in a relationship. And then when they do get divorced, you're going to feel that pain all the more. But it's really just, I would say, 85 to 90% divorce-centric. Yeah. So you don't get that pang of like, oh, I really like them together. Yeah. You're like, oh, these... Guys weren't even that great together. Ever. Yeah, like it's they, it makes it makes sense that they're getting a divorce because I thought that too. I thought it was going to be like, oh, they're getting divorced, but they still have this love for each other, and maybe somebody didn't screw up that bad, and they're just overreacting, and then they're going to get so close to getting together again. I thought yeah. it was going to be a tearjerker in that sense, but it, no tears were jerked, and it was just I felt very like, huh, that makes sense. Like at the end of it, it just was very. I don't know, my emotions yeah, weren't it, going they all kept the it realistic. But I did think it was interesting how in the way ScarJo was kind of mean is it in the way you're mean, which is in a more passive, subtle, less upfront way. Through the lawyer. Well, and because Adam Driver wanted to be very honest and like not even go through lawyers. Well, neither one of them did initially. I know, but she broke the pact they yeah. had. Anyway, I feel like he was like, what are you doing? Let's just get together and talk. And that's how I would be. Well, she was, she did it nicer than me, I think, because I'd probably want to get like a ruthless lawyer. <laughs> but Sure, but I do think that stuff's no good for the kids. No. And that, that's what it's all about. Well, that's why I get the best lawyer. So I was over quick. You're decimated. And then we get share custody. And Lucy doesn't That's all know, fun, uh... and, fun and good for a quick <laughs> laugh here on the pod. No, it's true. But in real life, you would never want to decimate another I would parent. No, I wouldn't want to decimate you. I just want to make sure that I was good, too. Yeah, of course. And, and just like maybe slightly better just to get you back for it, you know? I know. But for me, I would want whatever is best for everyone. Well, if, I what can, if I cheated on you and we we're getting divorced? Cause I that. can't be mean. To, if you wanted to not be with me, I could never be angry with you for That's that. Bo- okay. okay, it would be baloney though. If if you found out that I was like having an affair with somebody, I was like, whether or not I was in love with somebody else or not, there would be so much anger there. I don't know. I'm so mean. It's humiliation. It's everything. I don't know. I'd be like, yeah, I could see that coming. Alex was way better than me. <laughs> like, if people would be like, yeah, yeah, she should have done this a long time ago. I don't believe you. I think that you would, I would get be, so angry. Listen, I wouldn't be so angry. I get devastated and start crying, and I get self-loathing. Like, I'm an idiot. Why would I ever think she likes me? <laughs> like, I'm really, like, narcissistic in the way that I'll hate myself so much. But if someone doesn't like me, I'm never hating them. Mm-hmm. I'm just wanting them to like me yeah i can only get mad with you because we're together i could never get angry (laughs) with you if we weren't together could you imagine me getting angry with you no 
Like, I'm just not like that. With every ex, I feel like I'm better friends with them because we're exes because <laughs> I'm, I'm nicer to people that I don't love. Um, Yeah, I, I, I thought it was interesting, though, and I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a good portrayal of a breakup. It makes divorce seem as messy as I'm sure it is and as difficult as I'm sure it is. Um, That's, yeah. Never. I don't think my parents went through lawyers. No? No. Oh, but but my mom is kind of like, I got fucked. Like, <laughs> my mom's a very ladylike woman, by the way. <laughs> no, but my mom's just like, oh, I should have because there was a lot of money left on the table. Right. But, you know, I think it might have been easier on us. And as you see in the movie, when you do fight for the money, a lot of the money you get just goes straight to the lawyer fees. Oh, So it's yeah. almost like you're just, you are just fighting for like made up points. So they were re-mortgaging houses for yeah. lawyers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's crazy. That's, yeah. But anyway, it's worth checking out. There is some uh, debate on whether you should watch it with your partner. What would you yeah, say? Yeah, 100%. I also like seeing a partner's reaction to things while mm-hmm. you're watching something like that. And then I think the conversation opens up after is good. But yeah, no, I do think it's, I, I think it's mm-hmm. good to watch with a partner. What are you? I think it's much better for the reason you just said. Having the conversation afterward is always good. Some people don't like conflict at all. I'm not scared of that stuff. And I like having conversations like that. Mm-hmm. Because when it's not you, it's easier to have a rational conversation. Oh, big time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, was there any scene that made you cry? When they were fighting, like at the one scene where they had that really bad argument. Yeah. That was getting me like, uh, I didn't cry, but that I got misty. I cried during that scene. Yeah, that made me uh, feel the most emotion that scene, mm-hmm. I think. Was it because it's the most like me or is it because it's the most just real in general? I think it was the most like us if mm-hmm. we were ever to get to that point in yeah. an argument. And it was just kind of, you know, seeing it, like seeing somebody else do it. It's like, fuck, that's, you know, whoever wants to argue like that, like it's such a bad way to argue. And then and I was just like feeling all in my own thoughts. And yeah, so that made me, that made me mm-hmm. the most emotional. Same for you? Yeah, I, I, uh, tears streamed down my face. I wasn't looking. I was focused on the screen. I wish I saw that. It, what other scenes? Were there any other scenes you cried or? Maybe a tear might have streamed down at one other point. See, I think that they were trying to get tears going down people's eyes I don't at think some they point. Were. That's the thing. No, but I think in some ways that they were using the kid maybe. But the kid just sucked. Oh, the kid was such a little dumbass. I don't know. And I know that's mean to say, but he was an actor and I'm sure in real life he's probably really <laughs> good. And there is only like one personality version of this kid and that kid I hate every other child I love yeah. but this kid I it was just annoying like. yeah yeah I, I actually want to talk to the speech we're going to talk to a speech pathologist mm-hmm. yes I want to talk to them about annoying kid voices what do you mean by voices some kids I feel like they know there there is a cute kid voice oh, to do that's oh. inauthentic and I want to know how to break them of doing that if in fact it is inauthentic you know what i mean oh i hate that voice yes now that i know what you're talking about uh the stupid cutesy like "Ooh, mommy and daddy love me or like yeah and i feel like the parents reinforce it because they think it's cute other people definitely reinforce it like grandparents and stuff Mm -hmm. you know and I want to find out, are we supposed to be like, did you go pee-pee in the potty with your pee-pee? Or should we be like, hey, you take a, you urinate in there? Like, I <laughs> like I don't know how much to talk, baby talk to a I baby. Think, I think we do it pretty well. 
Um, like, are they supposed to meet us or are we supposed to meet them or do we meet in the middle? I think we meet in the middle. I think we use simple English, not broken English, not baby English, just simple English and describe everything that's happening, describe what we're doing, describe what they're doing, ask them questions about what they're doing. And I think you and I do that pretty well, actually. I find you talking broken English a lot. What do I say? Broken Today for English. Lucy's dinner, you, know, you eat now. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yum, yum. <laughs> I did not. I'm the comedic relief. <laughs> Actually, this brings me to um, another topic that I had. Just let me check out. She and I are waiting for some. We are Uber waiting. Eats. This is the first time we've ever not been able to wait to eat. Usually, we eat after we record the pod. We are actually going to take a break to eat. Yeah, and uh, we ordered sushi from a local spot, so I'm quite excited. Got vegetarian sushi, obviously, um, but we're looking forward to it. Anyhow, talking about uh, kids and pee into potty. Um, I want, <laughs> I want, I'm sure there's a reason why you chose to phrase it like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so we kind of started talking about it last week, but we didn't use any of it. Uh, however, I do think it's a good topic to touch on. Um, so in light of, especially this week, there was a big event in Canada, uh, in regards to gender-based violence towards women. There was a shooting, what, 35 years ago? I'm not up to date on this. In Montreal. It's the shooting at the Montreal um, University in which a guy went and targeted 14 women. And uh, they all lost their lives. And it was a gender-based. Wow, that's terrible. I did not know Mm -hmm. that. It's Canada's biggest homeland massacre. So anyhow, there was a, a really good article that came out talking about the benefits of, you know, there's so many reasons why you shouldn't use euphemisms when you're talking about kids' private parts. Because it is just another piece of armor to help them against abusers or to help them with sexual violence, things like that. Is this not an extreme take or is this a real take? I no, feel like this, this might be extreme. No, it's not. Because we were talking to the potty training expert mm-hmm. and when she was giving her advice, she's like, say, where does the pee-pee go? Like, yeah, isn't... the pee-pee, like the urine. Okay, because I also refer to a penis as a pee-pee and, sometimes. And that's where confusion for kids gets mm-hmm. in. So a 1995 U.S. study concluded that... You're like Bill Gates tonight. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this person? Get out of here. It concluded that potential child abusers avoid kids who have the proper vocabulary and who know things like that and think about it like how you know if somebody's trying to take advantage of a kid that they perceive as as dumb or so innocent that they don't know what's going on and the kid's like excuse me why are you touching my penis i imagine that the abuser would be like whoa and get out of here and that's what the study proved happens and that they avoid situations with kids who actually know what they're talking about so not only is that helpful but then also if something so wait wait wait. if i teach my kid that if i'm just like calling their penis a pee-pee mm-hmm. and i'm like don't let a stranger touch your pee-pee and then the kid's like to the the pedophile or whatever mm-hmm. is like don't touch my pee-pee it's like you don't know uh the proper word for that no i think and then that he just has his way I, with the kid i think that uh it, the it the psychology of it comes into the abuser seeing that innocence or just not knowing and yeah thinks, okay i could you know see what that because I mean? would be a little like whoa this kid's getting all medical on me yeah and and then it too if something happens and kids can describe to parents to police to healthcare workers whatever exactly what happened also if kids know the proper terms and there's no like embarrassment around 
same penis or vulva or whatever. So we're going to call Lucy's area vulva now? A vulva. Because it's not a vagina. No, the vagina is the canal that the baby comes out of. The what? <laughs> I just want to hear you say the word again. <laughs> the canal. The canal. Okay. The birth canal. The birth canal. Um, Or the baby making canal. So how, how do we... But, but I'm supposed to call it a vulva to Lucy? I feel yeah. like she's going to get very confused because other people aren't going to be referring to it. I think I guess that how often are people going to be referring to Lucy's vulva? Doctors and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and But and, uh, the other thing is that like if you take away and like eradicate that embarrassment that's around those words because kids aren't going to know to be embarrassed by it if they always say that word, uh, then they're going to be less embarrassed to ask questions when they're teenagers, whether it's to us, to teachers, to doctors, and it's just more normalized. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so and that would hopefully help us out when Lucy and kid number two are like the age where they might start having sex and okay. then hopefully can come to us with questions. Yeah, it's just so un- – I've never heard that before. Anyone refer to a female baby's private parts as a vulva? Well, because people don't and that's the thing. Like I've heard things like hoo-ha, fairy, flower, peach, winky, dinky, dong, like – everything under the sun because parents are i've never heard fairy once in my life i heard it online except in high school which was my nickname (laughs) (laughs) you're on fire tonight thank you anyhow yeah there's so many names oh Oh. sushi's here hi there thanks so much have a good night so we'll finish this uh little segment then we'll take a food break continue um But people use all these terms, all these stupid euphemisms, and then kids, and like my parents... But but you you say stupid. I think people have the best intentions when they they are using them. You know what it is? It's embarrassment. People don't use them because they're embarrassed to say penis. They're embarrassed to say vulva. And they're hard words to say, and they're hard words to say to a kid if you're not comfortable with them yourself. Like how often do you talk to anybody, refer to your penis as your penis? I'm comfortable saying penis. I am. Yeah. Like if I'm talking about a boy and I'm talking with my friend who has a male kid, I'm like, oh, is it hard to wipe the penis? If I started saying vulva, somehow that would almost make me feel like I'm being perverted or make other women uncomfortable. Like, hey, you got to wipe the vulva. It's like, hmm? And see, and that's the issue. There's nothing perverted about it. There's nothing that should make anybody uncomfortable about it. But because people avoid those words like they do, it creates this whole culture of embarrassment, of shame and things like that around those words. And then when the kids grow up, then it's just another cycle of people feeling embarrassed and shamed with those words. And then they're less likely to use them they're less likely to seek out information about sex safe sex everything like that i would recommend women start this revolution in calling vulva and men will follow for a man i would start with vagina don't be such a coward use the right word i just don't want to get get flagged as a weirdo no dads can't be cowards in this like the both parents i think have to be complicit in this and if I'm calling it a vulva and you're calling it a vagina, then Lucy's going to be confused as hell. In our privacy of our home, I'll call it a vulva if yeah. that's what you want. But nobody's nobody's going to be but like saying, asking your opinion on their kid's no, vulva no, outside if I'm, of the if, home. If, if I'm with your fa- <laughs> my father-in-law, John, or Lorna, my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, make sure you are very careful with uh, giving your vulva a wipe so there's no excrement <laughs> in it. <laughs> You know, John would be like, vulva? You could say, oh, she has a rash on her vulva, so just, you know, make sure to put cream on or something. Mm -hmm. Say that. Okay. We're going to, we are going to start 
the culture and our families making these words normal. Um, if you aren't comfortable with it, don't feel ashamed about that, but start getting yourselves comfortable with it. 44% of parents only use euphemisms. Only. And they, they never... I that, 44% have never called it a penis or a vulva or a vagina or anything, what they're actually called. Only 1% of parents use the proper terms all the time, and everybody else kind of uses a, mis- a mishmash, but probably more euphemisms. Mm-hmm. So I want us to start using proper terms all the time, and I want that to be a good trend within our friend group if that can be normalized. Should so I that stop- none of our kids feel weird, you know? Should I stop calling mine Mr. Winky? No, you can keep that going. Why do you try not to laugh now? It's like you're, <laughs> like you're so annoying. You like basically vomited <laughs> and then like like just so you don't laugh. No, no. No, you have a you're embarrassed to laugh on the microphone. I'm Okay. You are too. You've admitted You're it. You're saying it's I, okay. First of all, I didn't say I was embarrassed to laugh on the microphone. I said, "Do I laugh too much?" Because I'm. And I said giggly. no. I said laugh more. You make me sound like a weirdo if I say a line <laughs> like that. Then there's dead silence. I was trying to think of something clever to say, and I couldn't. Right. Well, what you did was the weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> but let's eat, let's eat food. Let's do it. Okay, and we'll, we'll come back and we'll do some calls. Sounds good. Okay. Bye. So we just ate Japanese food. We did. We got some uh, spring rolls, sushi rolls, and what was the last thing? Tempura. Shane, mm. how was it? It was good. It made me feel like less of a pig than when we get pizza, but <laughs> I feel like I probably ate more calories, but it's all a mental game food. We definitely didn't eat more calories than we would be if we were eating pizza. That makes me feel better. So right now, speaking of eating calories, men eat more calories than women per day. At least they're supposed to. True. So we're doing a men's corner right now. Oh. Guy's corner, if you will. So this is a testosterone-fueled look behind the curtain of what it's like to be a dad. And I'm about to be a dad of two. Three if you count Alex. (laughs) But this guy is going to give me some insights into his life. We might talk a little beer, football, etc. But point is, we're going to get to it and what it's like to be a father or two. And hopefully he can give me some advice. I'm just going to call him. I'm calling him 20 minutes earlier than I said I was going to, but hopefully he's fine. Also, if you find something's odd about his voice, this man is from Germany, so he does have a bit of an accent, so bear with us. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Felix, this is Alex and Shane from This Family Tree, and uh, this is, do you want to introduce Guy's Corner? This is Guy's Corner. Uh, oh, hey. So this is a spot where dads, guys, just we bro down and we talk about what it's like being a dad. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a pleasure to be on board. All right. Well, and I know I'm calling 20 minutes earlier, but is this okay timing for you? Absolutely. I just put the kids to bed, so perfect timing. Nice. Yeah, and that's you put Levi and what's her name? Gray. Gray? Why do I Gray. want to call her a lawyer, Alora Gray? Because her name is Alora Gray. Okay. Yeah, her name is Alora Gray, but we call her Gray. Gotcha. Okay. So I did know the names. Um, but let's, enough of that. Let's talk beer first off. You're from Germany. What is your favorite beer to have when you're just broing down with the bros? It's probably a Pilsner or a Lager. Uh, might also have something to do that I can't deal with the IPAs and too hoppy things. Uh, might have also something to do that we Germans don't really do that. We are a stickler to the clean brew and 
the clean um, law that we have to brew the beer. So that might have something to do with that. Wait, there's a law in Germany that stops them from making IPAs? Well, there is kind of a, um, I don't even know how to translate it, but there's a a law of beer making, what kind of um, um, recipe you're using uh, to make the beer as clean as possible. And the whole draft um, hip thing that's going on in Canada, that is not really happening over there. Okay, but we're allowed to say brand names on this show. So could you say just a brand name of one of your favorite beers? Oh, uh, that's a good question. So I didn't really have any good German beer in a long time, but one that I remember that I always liked was uh, uh, Schopperkopper or Schopperhofer. <laughs> okay, I got to go out and get one of those. <laughs> go get one. You're making me thirsty now. Um, mm. Okay, but let's let's hop right in. Let's hop, pun not intended. <laughs> let's get into... Being a dad, you're, you've recently become a dad of two. And what, what do you find the biggest difference is doing the jump from one to two, if there even is a difference? Um, absolutely, there is a difference. Um, first of all is time. With two kids, you pretty, pretty much need both parents at all times, especially around dinner time or bedtime, just because they do usually have different bath times, different bedtimes, different needs. And uh, it was much easier just to deal with one kid and uh, splitting up their their responsibilities. Now it is a little bit more time consuming. You don't have much time for yourself anymore. Um, yeah, your time alone pretty much disappears a little bit. Right. Now, you're one of those guys in our friend group. You seem to have the perfect home balance and you still get to go out and hang with the bros. For me, I find out if I go out one night a week, it somehow makes my whole the whole rest of my world fly out of orbit. How do you do it without seeming like an asshole or getting in trouble with the wife? And what are some tips that maybe I could use uh, in my own life? Uh, right. So I think uh, I just ha- I'm just lucky that my wife is not the biggest uh, socialist, um, which I'm the opposite. My, my wife loves to be home and be cozy, drink her wine, watch a movie. And that's usually the time that I have uh, uh, time for my guys and hang out. And obviously, I'm still paying for it because I have to get up in the morning the same as every other parent and mm. deal with my kids. But uh, yeah, I, I try to find a balance somehow because I feel like I'm getting too antsy if I'm just at home and don't have some time for myself. Or, right. So it's like a little uh, bit of a pressure release valve for you. That's right. And you yes. go by the adage, if you're going to be a man at night, you'll be a man in the morning and you'll still do your duties in the morning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it gets harder now. I, I definitely uh, can feel it in the bones and of the age. And of, and pretty much I'm working from nine to five. I'm coming home at five. I'm from five to eight. It's daddy time. So from... 9 to a.m. to 8 p.m. It's constant stress, but obviously lots of joy involved. And then after that, usually we have some uh, alone time as a couple. And when my wife goes to bed, which she does pretty early, that's where my time comes in play and I can do whatever I want. So when the wife's away, Felix will play. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yes, you mean when she's sleeping. 
yes, when she's a, yeah, when she's in uh, dreaming. Um, so my That's wife correct. is actually a bit of a socialist. You know her. I'm not even sure if we're using that word correctly. Are we socialist? No. Okay. <laughs> she likes being social. I guess is yeah, being social, social butterfly, social okay, person. Okay. So my my wife, she likes going out, but since she's pregnant right now, she can't. She's kind of handcuffed there. And then when right. I go out. I find I'm getting a lot of a lot of heat. So is, mm-hmm. do you think there's anything I can do to maybe mitigate that a little bit? I, I should probably ask my wife, but I'm scared <laughs> to. So I'm wondering if maybe you have any advice for someone who does have a social wife. Right. So I can't relate to that much. But um, first of all, congratulations on the pregnancy, Alex. Thanks, and buddy. Jane. Oh, thank you. Um, but uh, I feel like a good balance maybe where, for, this is a great example. My wife is right now in Toronto with her girl, girl staying over all night, drinking all night, having a blast. And I'm staying home, have to get up at six with both, both kids, have to feed them, have to deal with them. But at the same time, I get to enjoy those moments way more than she does. Right. So right. I'm happy. I'm very happy to do this. And I'm trying to push her more out of the door for example she went on tuesday to absent to see a drag show and i was very happy that she did it because usually at 9 p.m she gets so tired that she can't even uh leave the house so yeah i'm i'm trying to push her to do that in uh, so we have a good balance of both of us enjoying time away of the with the kids and yeah Right, because the more That's, she goes out, it's actually a good thing. You would never get annoyed because then you know you get a little bit of credit for the future, then, right? You got it. My yeah. question with that is if just say that she starts going out as often as you are, right? Or And it's like mm-hmm. that, you know, give and take. Every night, like, Then when when is there time to have with each other, Shane? is My thing is like if I'm starting to go out all the time and then you're starting to go out, mm-hmm. when do we get to hang out together? Well, when we're the answer for me, Felix might have a different answer, but what I would say is when we're not both going out. So when we are alone together. That's correct, yeah. That's when we can get intimate. See? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, See? or even or even schedule uh, one day a week for a date night even obviously with uh, one kid or even two kids it's hard to leave the house or do dinner plans, mm-hmm. but you can still do some uh, fun activities at home the two of you and like as long as you uh, cherish that and uh, keep that in mind you uh, what fun you... activities do you guys like to do at home <laughs> <laughs> um we did have last year kind of a puzzle phase which uh, we discontinued this year <laughs> why'd you discontinue uh, i i don't know i feel like it kind of we got over it a little bit okay um so this year it's more we bought a sauna so now we are at we're usually at 8.30 p.m., both of us go in the sauna, listen to music or to podcasts, have a glass of wine, have a chat, and maybe watch a couple episodes of our show. And then, like I said, uh, my wife usually goes to bed by 10, and that uh, is the time where I usually start working or play video games or go out to the bars and uh, meet up with you guys. Are you both naked in the sauna? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And my wife is signaling <laughs> to me... Uh, she's sticking one finger out like a hot dog and another one is a circle and she's making the one <laughs> finger go in and out. Do you do you get intimate, I guess is the word my wife's looking for, in the sauna if you are comfortable even answering that question? Right. So, it, um, I mean, I feel like it might be kind of a warm-up game where uh, once we're done, uh, we might uh, be already naked and it's easy uh, 
to right. make the movie <laughs> naked, but <laughs> usually the sauna is way too hot right. to to move or to do anything else. Not metaphorically. Okay. Yeah, literally. Yes. So maybe a little <laughs> oral or something. Anyway, uh, we we're gonna say thank you for this call. We really do appreciate it. But just my one last question is going to be. Did you find it much harder dealing with your wife going out when she was pregnant? Because then she doesn't even have the option to go out. Right. Um, I don't think so. Hmm. Man. You really <laughs> lucked out, eh, Felix? You married the wrong woman, yes. No, no, I don't get me wrong. I still enjoy it. There are still some good things in this relationship. Yeah, no, totally. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to uh, enjoy my uh, my private life uh, as, um, like you said, the term is wrong, but I still call myself a socialist if I wouldn't have such a supportive uh, wife on my side who, um, yeah, who lets me do those things. In um, obviously with uh, the perspective of I have to be. Up in the morning, I have to be there. I have to help her, so I can't. Like the times we're sleeping until noon or so, those times are over, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you know what? The joy of the joy of fatherhood gives you energy, and I feel like that somehow even pushes me through the hangover mornings on a Saturday or whatever. So it's yeah, it is definitely um, it's worth it. And if she didn't let you live this lifestyle, would you just say sayonara? This is how I am. Yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll just say I'll go buy some cigarettes and never come back. <laughs> Germans, man. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I appreciate it. And I, hopefully I see you in our next social outing. We have a pub crawl on the 21st. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's yes. the next time I'm going to be uh, allowed out of my cage. Get out of here. <laughs> You animal. A cage that I'm happy to live Felix, in. Felix, thank you All so right. much for the call tonight. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. You too. Bye-bye. All right. So we got perspective from a, a European man who uh, kind of lives up to the cliche image of a European person. Yeah, 100% he does. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Felix is a party dad. That's uh, the only way I'd put it. Hey, wait, you, you say that's so negative. No, I don't. He's just party dad. I know, I, but I'm that doesn't saying, sound... That, well, you're I'm making it sound he like he's a... He wouldn't be happy with me as a wife, and I don't think I'd be able to be with a party, like a guy who went out all the time. Right. Because yeah. you would think it would take away from your time. 100%. It, it, yeah. Okay. Uh, now we have a pathologist we're going to be talking to. A speech pathologist. Sorry, speech pathologist. Oh, I'm assuming there's different... I don't know. You're probably right. It's like being wow. a socialist and like... <laughs> <laughs> I like just, that. just for the dummies at home, I obviously know. But what is a socialist? Uh, like somebody who is very on the left side of things politically. Uh, communism would be the extreme form of socialism. So uh, Felix saying that he was a socialist uh, might allow people to have been picturing somebody who is for, you know, public health care and Wait, a, com a communist isn't a socialist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I've got a lot of learning to do. Uh, let's call the speech pathologist. All right. Hello. Hello, Karina. This is Alex and Shane. Thank you. Hello. How are you? I'm so good. For those listening, Karina is a dear friend and a speech and language pathologist uh, who has graciously ex accepted our call tonight. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, okay, right off the top. Uh, I had two people ask me to have a speech pathologist on the next podcast, but I don't know 
much about what you do. When I think of speech pathology, (laughs) I think of like people with stutters and maybe a lisp or something, but then there's speech and language pathologists. So what, that's right. What does that encompass? Okay. So that is very common that uh, people think of us as people who work with stutterers or uh, with people who have some kind of articulation problem, but it really encompasses so much more than that. So the language part of speech language pathologist really has to do with oral language and even written language. So reading and writing as well. Um, Oral language is really consists of um, how well children and people understand language and how well they use it. And we look at very specific domains within that, like uh, vocabulary, for instance, grammar, narratives, connected speech. So we look at all of those domains within, um, within that language component. And then even broader than that is the whole idea of communication, which includes language and speech, because that's how we typically communicate. But there's many other parts of communication that um, speech-language pathologists would also be involved with, things like um, eye contact, gestures, facial expression, um, a joint focus of attention. So all of those things are things that speech-language pathologists would assess, treat, um, and, and provide consultation around. Okay, so I don't know um, what questions these women would have had for you, but the majority of my followers have kids around Lucy's age, so between 18 months and two years. Um, right. What problems? Like, is that very exciting time? It's the best time. It's so much fun. But like, it's is there a very exciting time for language? Is there a time to worry at this age? Like, when would somebody this age sure. be saying, "Oh, maybe I should get a speech language pathologist"? Right. So the first thing um, that you would want to look at is how is that child communicating on a regular basis? Are they um, initiating communication? Are they at least pointing? Are they vocalizing, going, ah, ah, when they see something that they don't know the name of and they want you to name it for them? Are they um, putting out their hands to have you pick them up? Are they vocalizing at all? Are, and are they using intonation in their vocalization? So are they doing things like, ah, ah, and giving you an idea of what it is that they want or what it is that they're trying to tell you? Um, so all those nonverbal forms of communication really need to be in definitely by 18 months. And in fact, most of these things start much, much earlier at three months, four months, five months, six months. Even, um, you know, eye contact starts even earlier than that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, all of these these nonverbal forms of communication need to be in place. And at 18 months is really when children start to use words. And I'm not saying perfectly formed, perfectly articulated words. These words might be things like baba, dada, mama, reduplicated Mm -hmm. syllables like that. Um, Or they might be using single words, but using them in different ways by using intonation like dada, dada. (laughs) <laughs> so if your child is, yeah, you recognize that one, do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if if your child is doing those things and has 
is starting to get uh, what we call holophrases or single word utterances at 18 months where they're using single words and using them in different ways, maybe to ask for something or maybe to show, to exclaim, um, then you're on, you're well on the way to normal language development. Um, but if the child is not doing any of that communicating, is not initiating communication, even nonverbally, and is not starting to use some words mm -hmm. at 18 months, that's when you should actually get worried. And you should actually make a, a referral to a speech and language pathologist. Um, there are, um, in every... Um, in every location in Ontario, there is a lead agency that takes care of all preschool speech and language services. And the speech language pathologists there are very used to having children, um, you know, very young, come in at a very young age. So we know that we want to catch children uh, with any kinds of delays before the age of 30 months. Okay. Uh, that really gives the best prognosis. Um, and then after 30 months, obviously, we still want to see those children, but uh, the best prognosis is if we can catch them by the age of 30 months as having some difficulties. Okay, so Lucy is at about 19 months now, and we, we figure she can say about 40 words. And I'm That's thinking, perfect. I'm like, oh, she's doing well. Like, this is great. We're on the right track. Mm -hmm. um, and then my cousin post a video mm -hmm. of her kid when her kid was Lucy's age and this kid is doing two and three word sentences and yeah. then she posted another video when the kid was 22 months old reading words like she yeah. angry yeah. angry was one mm. of them so like yeah. when should I be thinking Ooh, like <laughs> when should Lucy start saying right. like two word sentences or like combinations right right so uh, the the child you're describing there was um, a highly verbal and highly linguistically um, acute child. She was yeah. very, she was very, you know, that was her. She's probably going to be a linguist or a lawyer or something like that <laughs> in her future. Um, but most children, it's very what you're describing about Lucy is actually a very normal developmental progression. She should be starting to combine words at around two years of age, at 24 okay. months of age. She should start to say things like daddy go, mama home, um, baba shoes, you know, or mm. just any kind of two word sentence. Um, it could be, you know, subject verb, verb object subject object, uh, daddy car, for instance. Um, so that's when we sort of expect the two word utterances to start. Um, and there is a wide range of normal. So we do know that, you know, for instance, my son didn't have 50 words at 18 months and mm -hmm. I was freaking out. Um, but he, he ended up actually sort of gaining about six to eight months worth of development in about two months time. Oh, wow. That's just the way, that's just the way he learned, you know, mm -hmm. he was very quiet. He took everything in. And then when he was ready, he came out with three and four word sentences, but he didn't kind of go through the typical one word, two word stage, like a lot of children do. So, um, 
you know, there is a wide range and a wide variation. But if you are concerned, it's always good to just check with mm-hmm. a speech language pathologist. Um, but you're checking with me now and I'm telling you, you don't have anything <laughs> to worry about from from my point of view, as long as she's doing all of those other communicative right. um, communicative things that we talked about. And, and what are your thoughts on French immersion and specifically when the parents aren't able to reinforce the language at home. For instance, if, if, right. we, if we put Lou in French immersion, which sounds mm-hmm. like a good idea, Alex mm-hmm. and I don't know a lick of French, would that be right. a disservice to her? Would that be a problem? Mm-hmm. So um, what's great about kids is that they learn language so easily. And so it's much easier to learn another language or a new language um, in your early years than it is when you are over 12, for instance. So it's always great to increase, um, you know, that language knowledge, linguistic knowledge. And what ends up happening is children start to realize that, um, oh, in this language, I say it this way. And in this other language, I say it this way. Oh, in this language, the adjective comes first. I mean, they're not thinking this consciously, but they're <laughs> right. kind of understanding those rules. And what that ends up doing is giving them a, a huge benefit in terms of understanding how language works in general. And that actually can help them with uh, later literacy skills. So overall, I would say it's a great idea to introduce other languages, especially at younger ages. Um, And it doesn't matter if the language can be reinforced at home or not, because kids are very good at knowing in this this location and in this situation, I speak this language. Mm -hmm. And in this other location, this other situation, I speak a different language. I think it also helps to know what type of French immersion uh, your child would be entering. So for instance, in Halton, it's a 50-50 split. So it's 50% English, 50% French uh, as far as French immersion. But in the Peel Board, um, typically it's 90% French in the first few years. So for children who are maybe struggling with language, mm-hmm. that could be a bit of a challenge. Not well, if, to say if, if they're you, struggling like with English already, then it's probably, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it would mean that they might also struggle with French, but it's, it's interesting. In my 28 years of doing this, I often see children who have, a, you know, we can actually say, yes, they have a developmental language disorder. They are, are struggling with language, and yet their French marks, and like if they're just taking core French, their French marks are actually higher than their English marks because French is taught very explicitly yeah and the vocabulary is taught explicitly whereas english if you're going to us you know a regular english program a regular english school um it's just assumed that you know it no of course of course so it's and not like, taught as explicitly you even mm-hmm. think of uh like the grammar that you learn when you're in french class as opposed yeah. to i don't even know if they are like i don't know what the elementary curriculum is but i remember working in our phonics books and things like that and absolutely i don't know yes, that they do that much, anymore yeah well it's still much more explicit they teach the vocabulary explicitly i'm not sure if they teach the grammar explicitly but they would it would be a lot more um there would be a lot more emphasis mm-hmm. on doing that orally right and um Whereas in English, um, not a lot of that is going on in the English curriculum, as far as I understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask one more thing. Uh, So what are some things I can do at home 
to kind of like promote you know language development with lucy so like for us it might be because she's pretty good at picking up new vocab words but what could i what could i try to do to help her like start putting words together like mama car or whatever yeah so there's lots you can do so first of all the first thing i would say is you have to find something that motivates her Mm -hmm. if there's a favorite toy or a favorite outing or a favorite activity she just loves to do or a favorite tv show or a favorite song that she absolutely loves then you're going to want to use that to try and sort of um I guess I, some people call it bribing. I would call <laughs> it more, um, you know, tempting her to right. communicate a little bit more about that. So can you give me an example of something she really, really loves? Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. Here we go. So let's say uh, she goes to the TV and says, Pig, right? Mm-hmm. Because she wants to watch Peppa Pig. Um, then you can say, oh, Pip. Pig, Peppa Pig. Oh, you want Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig. So do you see how many times I'm I'm really repeating that? Yeah. And then what you would do is you would hold the remote and just see if she could give you something more than pig. Maybe Peppa Pig, maybe want pig. Um, and if she still just says pig and points to the TV, you don't want to get her to the point of past frustration, mm-hmm. but you could say, oh, want pig and give her the remote. So you're constantly modeling that two word sentence. Right. You're not modeling a five word sentence because she's not going to be likely to repeat or imitate a five word sentence if she's only using a single word. Mm-hmm. So you're really just imitating what she's saying and adding one more element. Yeah. Um, or you could, you could add, add something like um, pig TV or something like that. Pig is on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so however you want to expand her utterance, you can do that. And it might require a lot of modeling. So you might need to do that, you know, 10, 20, 30 times before she actually goes into a two-word sentence. But because you have something very motivating, she's going to be paying attention and she'll be in that very heightened learning state um, to be able to learn something um, and, and maybe challenge herself a little bit. Yeah, that's awesome. Karina, thank you so, so much for uh, this informative call. It was really helpful. And I didn't even realize how helpful it would be. So thank you also to those followers <laughs> who asked for the speech pathology. You're so welcome. It was my pleasure. I'd be happy to do it again if you need to. That's amazing. All right, Karina, I will talk to you shortly. But take care. Okay. Take care. Bye, Bye. now. Nice. So I didn't get to my question about the annoying kid voice, but I don't think that's really her bag anyway. No, but do you want to elaborate on that for the listeners? I, I annoying think- kid voice. Like, I think they know what I mean. I don't want to imitate the voice because some kids naturally do have a cute kid voice. But I feel like some kids, it's obviously put on and the kids think they're putting one over on people Mm -hmm. because it's like they're scared to grow up. So they want to, like, you know how some men want to uh, lengthen their adolescence, maybe Felix or something like that. No, I'm (laughs) kidding. But, uh, you know, kids want to do that with their their baby time. So they they try to stay in that world for too long yeah no that so he's talking about like that really 
put on inauthentic, cutesy. I don't even know. It's like when kids try to be too cutesy because they know it gets a good reaction Just from adults. It. Try to do it. But there's like so many different ways. Like there's like the mommy can you help me like that kind of thing like baby voice and then just there's just a, yeah there's i guess one, i guess though. the definition would be they're capable of saying it normal but they're choosing not to yeah to be cute and i think when a kid can only say it the one way is it only truly cute but when they're put, choosing to be cute it's not cute it's mm-hmm. like when someone's trying to be cool it's not cool Oh, it, there's nothing cute about kids that talk with whatever affectation that is. It's mm-hmm. so it, it's because you can tell. I think sometimes when they put it on, it's yeah. so annoying. I was actually listening to a podcast, and one of the gimmicks they have is they have their daughter on. Okay, but the daughter has that voice. Is it put on? Oh, it's it, the kid's like eight or something. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'll let you listen to it after yeah, this. Absolutely. I wish I could. Without calling these people out, I wish I could play it <laughs> on here. That'd be incredibly rude. Watch Lucy's going to grow up and have that voice. There's no way she would because we, we wouldn't encourage it. And I think a lot of parents, whether they realize it or not, are encouraging a type of heightened infantilization. Yeah. That's yeah, your yeah. word, not mine. <laughs> um, uh, all right. What do we so, have next? Uh, we've got write-in uh, follower questions. Oh, good. So um, first one, will you hire a birth doula for the next pregnancy? Uh, no, I'm not interested in a birth doula for me. I think if I was to hire a doula, it would be a postpartum doula, especially with baby number two. So um, I have a friend, Baby Beats, who does postpartum and you can even hire her as a night doula. So if you are having a particularly hard week, you know, she'd come over for a couple hours. You can get some sleep. She will take care of your babies. Uh, she would be there at nighttime and wake you up when it's time to feed and then you know, burp the baby, change the baby, rock the baby, and do all the things that take the extra hour and a half mm-hmm. where you just kind of nurse and then go back to sleep yourself. And because I was so dead in postpartum last time, uh, in those first, you know, three months, especially month one and two, that is something I would absolutely consider. How much do these doulas cost? They have different packages. Do, but we, do we pay or does it? No, oh. you pay. Mm. Yeah. But Let's uh, not do it, that. Oh, it's such a luxury to have somebody taking care of your baby at night. Well, easy for you to say. You're not the one up 24 hours a day with an infant. No, but I am the one monitoring our finances. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, number two, will you do things differently with baby number two? Um, in regards to things like how we've structured development like with baby led weaning and how we encouraged you know activity and things I'm gonna do it all the exact same I think everything worked out we liked everything we did if we didn't like something we were doing I think we would have stopped and switched um you know switch our schools of thought but one thing that's already different is uh kind of like the preparation that's going into the second baby and like for this kid's nursery I'm just throwing a crib in our spare bedroom where there's already a queen size bed. And that is the nursery. Um, whereas Lucy, it's like, oh, let's put a new floor, do wallpaper. And because mm-hmm. this kid's only going to be in that room and the bed is nice for me in there for, you know, eight months to a year. And then they're moving up in the same room as Lucy. So, yeah, we were talking about this today. Babies aren't babies for very long. No. No. And you never think about that when you're doing, you just want to almost have it for Instagram. Like, look at my beautiful sanctuary for my two month old. 
And they yeah. don't give a shit. <laughs> they don't appreciate it. The only one who appreciates it are other moms that are competing for who is the coolest nursery. But the thing is, I mean, if you're going to be spending all your time in there, then it is nice to have a room that you feel good in. Uh, but you don't need all the thought. Like, you just need your staples. Mm-hmm. You need a comfy chair or well, something. Well, with the second kid, you begin to feel good about not putting in all the effort because the effort actually makes you feel bad. Oh, I'm so it's just happy. not worth it. Whereas with your first kid, you don't have another kid mm-hmm. to be taking your energy from you. So you have the energy to put it into little nuances and touches into the, yeah. like, you know, the wallpaper with the stars on it and, you know, everything's I'm so perfect. happy not to put the energy in. Honestly, I'm so happy just to get one crib, put it in the room, and then pass out on that bed for nighttime feedings and it'll be good. Word up. Um, three, skincare. Uh, Pregnancy-safe skincare. So I wash right now with Ren, which is a clean beauty line. Um, I use Pixi Vitamin C Toner as a toner pixie is another clean line they're really good and you can find them in drugstores so uh it's way cheaper than something like rent or something that you find in sephora um and honestly everything pixie has is so wonderful and it, you really have a big difference um and then i'm testing out a moisturizer right now it's i think it's kate somerville exfoliating glow and i think i really like it and it's funny because I was feeling pretty good about my skin. And then, like, the second I read the skincare question, a little pimple popped up on my nose. See that? Ew. (laughs) And uh, for the fellas listening, for me, all I do, I shower in the morning. I don't really concern myself too much with it. And then at night, I just go to bed. I brush my teeth, but I don't splash any water on it or anything. I am so envious of the male routine. Um, Anyhow... Number four, uh, when will you let your kids stay up for New Year's Eve? You want to take the lead on that, Shane? Well, it's bad to say I don't care, right? Like, like, I, I, like I'm just going to play it by ear. Like, I don't think kids can really stay up. They always want to. But I don't think they can. Like, Lou's bedtime is seven. Yeah. We're not like, sometimes you hear of a parent, <laughs> like, oh, our, her bedtime's when I go to bed. It's like, What? Like, Lou's bedtime so early yeah. that for her to be, be able to even, like, if she can stay up till midnight, go for it, Lou. When Lou can actually stay up till midnight, she can do it. Yeah. No, that's a really good answer. That's a really good answer. I also am for, you know, kids' bedtime at normal bedtime and then wake them up at 1130 so that they can come down, join the party, have a couple snacks, Go do the countdown, then go bang pots and pans, come back in, cool down for a half hour, and then go back to bed. My mom actually used to do that for us. Yeah, we did that too. And if one day is throwing off your entire world, you're fucked anyways. Yeah. I also I also think, honestly, like, I, I think if we were at home doing something quiet, sure, if the kids can stay up, if they want to stay up, let them. But if we're, you know, Shane and I are doing something or we're out or... Shane and I just want to have the New Year's quiet to us. I'm for sure putting the kids to bed early. And I'll give them their own New Year's at like, you know, 6.30 or 7. And they can go bang pots and pans then. And then for the real thing, Shane and I can, you know, toast our champagne in peace. Yeah. I I like rules, but I don't like being precious. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think there is a, a fine line that is important not to stress too much about little allowances. Mm-hmm. No, but I like the answer of when they can stay up till 12. Thanks. I think that's a really good uh, baseline. Yeah, just off the top of the dome, by the way. Pretty good. Uh, all right. 
so this is not a question, but thank you for being here. Motherhood journey is better with you. And we're just going to shout out this person for being the sweetest ever. Yeah, this is first off. Marta Jacko. Thanks for kissing my ass. I appreciate it so much. <laughs> and uh, you are a joy. Thanks for making my day, Marta Jacko. I have a question for you based off that question. What? Do you think I am part of the motherhood community? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, did you get blocked ducks when you weaned? I did not. No. Wait. Sorry. I'm so dumb. My brain went to farm animal there. Well, Continue. I know I know what it means now. Yeah. That's why I tried to say ducks. I think I tried to put that T in there. I caught it late. Um, no, I didn't. Uh, weaning, weaning went pretty smoothly, actually, for us. Um, I had mastitis a couple times early on, uh, like in my first mm. month postpartum, but nothing nothing since. It was really good. All right, Shane, this one's for you. Were Ooh. you, was Shane, always on board with having kids? If not, what changed? Yes, always. Always on board. Just because, I, I've said this before, but I always like playing the, the game of life. And I want to live it to its fullest and do everything that you're supposed to do. Yeah. I'm not saying that you should do it. But from from me growing up and seeing that you get married, you have kids, I thought, that seems kind of fun. I want to try that just to see what it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you ever have issues with intimacy and your postpartum body? I don't know. I've in. I think. I think you always have issues with intimacy, right? That's like a huge like cloud above our marriage, and life, and it, uh, exacerbated yeah, but I think, by. I don't think in the way that she's saying. I don't think in the way that this question's being asked. You answer it then. I think that the issues with intimacy is that I'm always like. I just think it's always good to have intimacy. Always. I'm blushing. <laughs> um. So. I think my problems with intimacy is that I, I think there should be lots of opportunity for that. Whereas, um, you know, postpartum and having Lucy didn't really change that for me. Like it didn't make me want that less. And I, I know I have friends that did want it less and then they, that's their issue that they're struggling with. Um, for me, it's, I don't want it less, but then you're tired and then it's hard. It's just, it's hard to get everything in. Do you think you would want to be this intimate with anybody you're with? No, baby. I am very attracted it's to you. It's just me. Okay. I Look just want you. to make that clear. You're okay. Hot shit. Thank you. Um, but this this was about body issue, like postpartum body. And no, like I um You I've, always well, you always use that as an excuse when you're trying to make me feel bad. You're like, and I'm already feeling bad about well, my body. That's what I that's what I was getting to. So okay. that it doesn't it's not like it's not stemming from intimacy or thinking that I'm like not good looking in that sense. But like I I mean, I'm hard pressed to find any woman who isn't self conscious about her body, whether or not she's had a kid. And because I always had a six pack and stuff, or like not a fully formed six pack, but like I always had somewhat defined abs you're so relatable alex no, i'm just saying i don't anymore and things like that and you know extra dimples on thighs and just everything like that and it's uh it's hard and it, it's hard and then that's why sometimes if i'm finding that you know there's less opportunities to be intimate that i'm thinking in my head i'm like oh man it's because i look like a slobber it's because i had kids and i don't look the same or whatever and then that gets in my head and then i get nervous and but 
it, it doesn't stop me from, I, I don't think, trying mm-hmm. for... First of all, I fell in love with your dimples when we first met. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, secondly, I feel like you almost want everything when it comes to intimacy in the sense that if you're not feeling like being intimate and you're very tired, you still want me to want to be intimate? Yes. I know, but I'm saying... I can obviously read your moods. Like anyone who's married becomes a bit of an empath at the very least with that one person they're in a relationship <laughs> with. Like you have, it's almost like you're twins. You know everything mm. the other person's feeling. So I can tell when you don't want to be intimate. But then I feel like I get burned for not even wanting to be intimate because even if you're not wanting to be intimate, you'll get so flattered or, or excited that I would want to be that you can switch your brain into a mode where you're just trying to appease me. No, you know it, it's mean? never it's never uh, appeasement. It's always like. Well, what I'm saying is, I'm getting in a lot of trouble, <laughs> or it's causing trouble in our marriage for me, basing it off the mood in the room and doing a temperature check and saying, "Well, Alex is very ill right now, like very, very ill. She needs medication because she's." getting so sick and the medication makes her drowsy and then i'm getting calls in the midday like i'm just like this guy with like no libido it's like what hugging the toilet and vomiting 20 times a night doesn't turn you on i'm fine with it i'm <laughs> honestly i'm honestly fine with it because here's the thing all right if you're and put yourself in my position so i already you know i'm bloated from being pregnant and now i'm sick from being pregnant i had a baby not long ago so i'm still you know not the same and all these things and it's like not only can I not really work out not only can I not eat healthfully um, I'm throwing up all night all day uh, and I just feel like such a sorry piece of crap like I just feel like the grossest person on earth so it's like then that's depressing me and then I'm thinking oh this is affecting my you know my intimacy life and all that and then it's just cyclical and then I still want you to find me attractive even though I'm hunched over a toilet puking and I don't know it's hard right well my version of feeling unattractive I guess is my lifestyle doesn't allow me to always eat healthily be healthily my age I'm six years older than you my metabolism six years way worse than you you've already established that you were just born with a six-pack and it's it's weird for you when you don't have a six-pack for me it's almost impossible to ever attain perfect being in good shape it's just i'm genetically not blessed in the way you are so i'm not feeling attractive either yeah but i'm i'm very attracted to you and i think i tell you that and i'm very attracted to you and i tell you that but you just want to act like the intimacy problem is just this one-way street and i feel like i'm always getting blamed for it which is insulting to well me. look all right and you know for the listeners too we have taken steps to improve that what are the steps we've been more intimate more since thursday okay, <laughs> okay. we took one step towards it no multiple and one night yeah I guess, yeah. I don't know if it counts, though. Um, But yeah, I'm feeling better about it already. Good. I feel good, too. Uh, And the last question is on my phone. I'm just going to access it. It was a long one. I did not finish reading it quite yet. Whoa. 
Hi, Alex and Shane. Can you please share some tips and tricks on how to put a baby down for a nap and a night's sleep? How did you do the transition from baby sleeping habits, rocking and nursing, to more independent sleeping with self-comforting? Our daughter is nine months and since the beginning, she falls asleep only on the breast or in the stroller. We tried a lot, rocking, singing, reading, slaying, etc. If I try to leave her in a dark room, in a crib, to fall asleep on her own, she'd be shouting bloody murder, pulling herself up. I can only stand up to 15 minutes of crying and then I come pick her up and she gets what she wants, a booby and to fall asleep. Um, so, thanks a lot. Love your podcast. From Ksenia, a Ukrainian living in Germany. Oh, wow. For me, it's it's hard because I find every baby is so different. Like all my friends' kids' personalities are so much different mm-hmm. than Lucy's. So I kind of got to know Lucy for the first couple months and what she liked and what made her happy but not too happy because I want to um, when I go in to see Lucy I want to pacify her but I also don't want to excite her to the point where she's even more awake so what I got in the habit of doing is singing lullabies through the stuffed animals so it's kind of like a hypnotic little uh, puppet show so I'll be doing this little show and then she'll just sit there and she'll literally put her fists under her chin like she's like in a movie like staring at a crush or something (laughs) and then i pretend the song's over and i put the stuffed animals down and then she knows that that means there's still an encore going to happen (laughs) so she'll give me the stuffed animals back and we'll do a show and then she knows that no matter how much she objects after the encore the show is done so then i put the stuffed animals back in the crib with her and then the stuffed animals are her friend and she's not alone at that point so she's like oh okay i'm not truly alone i'm going to occupy myself with the animals or i'm just going to zonk out because i know it's bedtime Mm -hmm. and i found for me that that method has worked yeah and you were doing that method for a long time when at the same time when i was putting her to bed only with the breast so like i'd feed her until she was drowsy but awake and then put her down and leave and that worked for us but now that lucy doesn't breastfeed anymore she wants me to do the animal show every night too so it's kind of funny that she took you know your tradition your nightly routine and she's now kind of showing other people um nine months is a tricky time because you're in between uh you're right in a sleep regression so if you're having a difficult time right now don't worry because there's a bad sleep regression around eight months um and for us it lasted through eight uh, months eight nine and ten So that's what you're going through. Um, Stick to routines. So the thing is, like, Lucy really had a hard time uh, self-soothing initially. And we did, you know, like a a gentler method of Ferber. Um, So we'd leave her to cry. Uh, Initially, the longest wait time would be 15 minutes. And then, you know, we'd work up to 15 minutes or work down. I forget now. Um, But... Now, you know, we'll put her down. If she cries for two minutes, she won't necessarily fall asleep. And sometimes she will stay awake and play with her animals for up to an hour and then put herself to sleep. But I think that you you kind of, for us anyway, what we're for us is just having them, having them cry for a bit. And if they're crying for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and you're going in every 30 minutes, they are going to get tired. They are going to go to sleep. Um, and if you're not pacifying them just with the breasts, like usual, they're going to learn and it might take two nights. It might take a week, but your baby will learn and then everybody will 
get more sleep and be better off for it. Yeah, some people don't like the fact that their baby's crying. Eh? Like, they're yeah, really, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It, you know, like you don't want your baby scared or in pain of or course, whatever. Of course, but there are different cries. Like you can always yeah. tell the excruciating cry that mm-hmm. it's another level. But babies cry. I know a lot of people know that on an intellectual level, but sometimes emotionally, people they just give in yeah. too too often, too early. That's the thing. And here's the, if your baby's fed, if your baby's dry, and if they have all of their basic needs met, like is their room the right temperature? If all their basic needs are met, your baby just wants the boo before they go to bed because it's an easier way for them to go to bed, and they're not they don't know how to self soothe. So that's why they're crying because they just want what's easy for them. I get that. I want what's easy for me in life and I complain if I don't get it. So she ain't lying. (laughs) So you just you have to help your child learn. If we don't teach our kids rules, if we don't teach our kids like easy things like how to sleep, like sleep just comes so naturally for us. You don't think that you need to learn how to sleep, but we do have to teach our babies how to sleep. And oftentimes, you know, sometimes people don't do it and that's totally fine. Uh, but oftentimes it is through things like, you know, having them cry a little bit. This pod's getting long. Do we have anything else? Nope. That's all baby. Uh, just a little update for you. I'm getting my sperm tested on Tuesday. Uh, one last question for you just to end it. Do you think I have a high sperm count or a low sperm count? I think you are average to, uh, above average. Hmm. Not as exciting as I wanted it to be. <laughs> uh, you have gotten pregnant every single time that we've had unprotected sex. It's true. Not that we've ever had protected sex. But you know what I mean when we haven't done coitus interruptus. Coitus interruptus. All right, babe. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in tonight uh, for this, this family, family tree, tree podcast. podcast. Episode 18. That was perfect. <laughs>